Greetings to you, my brothers and sisters, the world over. I come to you in the name of Yahweh, the Father of our Savior and Master Yeshua Hamashiach. I trust that Yahweh has been mighty good to you as he have been to me. I also want to say thanks to all of you who are helping in spreading the gospel around the world and the gospel is going speedily as Yahweh has given commandment. A special blessing is in store for all of you. Remember that the person you share to just might be the soul you save. Today's word is captioned, He who dares to oppose Yeshua. He who dares to oppose Yeshua. In other words, the Antichrist. I'm talking about the Antichrist today. I must also let you know that the scripture has no private interpretation. I will read from 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19 to 21. It says, And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed, as a light that shines in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of Yahweh spoke as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So Yahweh gave the scripture to man. He himself gave it to man. Man did not go anywhere and concoct a story and put it together as a book of fables as some people say. No, it is more than that. It is Yahweh's instructions to you and me so that we may know who he is and how we should live and what he has done for us and his love for us. Amos chapter 3 verse 7 says, Surely Yahweh does nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servants, the prophets. So in order for you to be warned, Yahweh had to put his word into the mind and the hearts of men and they in turn wrote it down on parchment papers. I trust in the word. I believe in it with all my heart. Now Matthew 24 and verse 14 says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations and then the end will come. I am reading from the New King James Version throughout this study. We will get back to the word after this. You're listening to Proclaim Gospel, coming to you from Tortola, British Virgin Islands. Your host is Evangelist Joel Gums. Welcome back to Proclaim Gospel. The topic again is he who dares to oppose Yeshua. And it's about the Antichrist and we're going to discuss who Antichrist is. Is it an evil alliance, a sinister individual? Some say that Antichrist appeared in the past. Some say he's still future. Some said he appeared in the days of ancient Rome. But the Bible indicates that he is alive today. Bible prophecies teach that this Antichrist power will play a crucial role in the final events of Earth's history. Do you want to know who he is? Are you sure you want to know who he is? Well, you need to be, for you cannot understand last day events until you understand this evil power. Be prepared as we go into this exciting study on Proclaim Gospel. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we look at your word today, 
I pray that you will touch the hearts of men and women, boys and girls, and give them a clear understanding as to who Antichrist is and what their part is to play in this great battle between Yahweh and Satan, the great controversy. Give them understanding, I pray. And I pray that their hearts will forever be changed so that when you shall come, they will be saved in your kingdom, I pray. In your son's name with thanksgiving, amen. All right, brothers and sisters, I also must let you know that we're going to be studying Daniel chapter 7 in its entirety. And you will recognize that Daniel chapter 7 clearly and unmistakably identifies who the Antichrist is. But it is only an introduction of great things to come because there are a lot more things that we're going to study about who Antichrist is and how far reaching is the effect of the Antichrist. I will also tell you that a lot of things that you will hear today, your pastor will not tell you because if he tells you, he will have to close down his church. You see, the book of Daniel and Revelation shows exactly who Yahweh is. His law is unchangeable. Many people who are preaching false doctrines cannot properly preach Daniel and Revelation. You may be offended by some of the things that I say, but you will clearly recognize that it's coming from the scripture and you can also reference it to history, world history. But I will present to you the unadulterated word of Yahweh unapologetically, but I will do so with respect and humility and love. So Daniel chapter 7 verse 1 says, I'm going to read down from verse 1. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head while on his bed. Then he wrote down the dream telling the main facts. Daniel spoke saying, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea. And four great beasts came up from the sea, each different from the other. The first was like a lion, and had eagle's wings. I watched until its wings were plucked off, and it was lifted up from the earth, and made it to stand on two feet like a man, and the man's heart was given to it. And suddenly another beast, a second like a bear. It was raised up on one side and had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. And they said thus unto it, Arise, devour much flesh. And after this I looked and there was another, like a leopard, which had on its back four wings of a bird. The beast also had four heads and dominion was given to it. Verse 7 After this I saw in the night visions and behold, a fourth beast dreadful and terrible, exceedingly strong. It had huge iron teeth. It was devouring, breaking in pieces and trampling the residue with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. Chapter 7 begins with Daniel seeing four beasts coming out of the sea. Or coming up out of the sea. In prophecy, a beast represent kingdom and you will see that in Daniel chapter 7 and verse 23. It says the fourth beast shall be a fourth kingdom on earth. The waters are peoples, multitudes, nations and tongues. Revelation chapter 17 and verse 15. Now we will look at the four beasts that Daniel saw in Daniel chapter 7. 
they represent four kingdoms verse 17 and 18 the first kingdom which you will see in daniel chapter 2 verse 38 and 39 is represented as a lion in daniel chapter 7 and verse 4. you may also want to look at jeremiah chapter 4 and verse 7 and also chapter 50 and verse 17 and 43 and 44. now the eagle's wings represents speed they represent speed and the four winds represent strife now let's look at it a little closer we will look at Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse 49 it says says Yahweh of hosts a great whirlwind shall be raised up from the farthest end of the earth and the slain of Yahweh shall be from one end of the earth even to the other end of the earth Jeremiah 25 verse 32 and 33 Also look at Jeremiah chapter 4 verse 13. The wings of eagle represent speed. Now winds represent strife, commotion, and destruction. See also Revelation chapter 7 verse 1 to 3. Now what does the bear represent? The bear kingdom represent? That is found in Daniel chapter 7 verse 5. What do the three ribs in its mouth symbolize? Let's look at this very intriguing answer. You will have to also read Daniel chapter 8 because it parallels what happens in Daniel chapter 7. Notice that the beast in chapter 8 parallel those in chapter 7. Daniel chapter 8 verse 20 specifically names Medo-Persia as the kingdom that precedes the male goat, that is Greece of verse 21. Medo-Persia is the second kingdom, the same power as the bear of Daniel chapter 7. The empire was made up of two groups of people. The Medes came up first, represented in Daniel chapter 7 by the bear raising up on one side. But the Persians eventually became stronger, represented in Daniel chapter 8 verse 3 by the ram's second horn that grew higher. The three ribs represent the three principal powers conquered by Medo-Persia. They are Lydia, Babylon, and Egypt. Yahweh's word is awesome. Yahweh's word cannot be stopped because Yahweh made sure that his word was preserved, that we will understand that he is an Elohim who controls the affairs of men with pinpoint accuracy. This was prophesied and these events did take place and they're written down in the history books of the world. Let's proceed. Inasmuch as the vision of chapter 8 closely parallels the prophetic outlines of chapters 2 and 7, and inasmuch as both of those outlines, the power succeeding Greece is Rome, the reasonable assumption here is that the horn power also applies to Rome. This interpretation is confirmed by the fact that Rome precisely fulfilled the various specifications of the vision. Now let's go to the little horn. Go back over to verse 7 and 8 and Daniel said after this I saw in the night visions and behold a fourth beast dreadful and terrible exceedingly strong it had huge iron teeth it was devouring breaking in pieces and trampling the residue with its feet it was different from all the beasts that were before it and it had ten horns verse 8 I was considering the horns and there was another horn a little one coming up from among them before whom three of the first horns were plucked up by the roots, 
And there in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking pompous words. So this little horn that Daniel saw represents Rome in both of its phases, pagan and papal. Papal Rome means that which is headed by a pope. Daniel saw Rome first in its pagan imperial phase, warring against the Jewish people and the early Christians, and then in its papal phase, continuing down to our day and into the future, warring against the true church. On this double application, you can look at verse 13 and verse 23. This beast that was described as exceeding, it basically means remainder. In a few instances, it describes as here that which is above measure, in the sense of leaving a remainder. It is translated excellency, plentifully, much more abundant. The word translated very in Daniel chapter 8 verse 8 is the more common word for exceedingly. Now we saw this beast go towards the south. Here's a little bit of history. Egypt was long an unofficial protectorate of Rome. Her fate was already in the Roman hands in 168 BC when Antiochus Epiphanes, who was seeking to make war on the Ptolemies, was ordered out of the country. Egypt, still under the administration of his Ptolemaic rules, was a pawn of Roman Eastern policy for many years before it became, in 30 BC, a Roman province. The beast also went towards the east. The Seleucid Empire lost its westernmost lands to Rome as early as 190 BC and finally became the Roman province of Syria in 65 BC or shortly thereafter. Here again I remind you brothers and sisters that in order for you to understand the prophecies of the Bible you must also refer to world history that you may know what has happened. So we're looking at Daniel chapter 8 that is talking about toward the south and toward the east and we are in Daniel chapter 8 now where the beast was going toward the south toward the east and the pleasant land so we recognize that Egypt was that location for the south and the east is the Seleucid Empire and also the pleasant land or the glorious land is um, talking about the ornament or decoration. It's either Jerusalem or the land of Palestine here being referred to as the glorious land. Greece now is the third kingdom. Daniel chapter 8 verse 21 is represented by a leopard with four wings and four heads. Now look at Daniel chapter 7 verse 6 also. Remember I said that chapter 8 will be a parallel of what happened in chapter 7. So 8 verse 21 and 7 verse 6. So let's look at chapter 8 verse 21 is talking about and the male goat is the kingdom of Greece. The large horn that is between its eyes is the first king. Let's look at Daniel chapter 7 and verse 6. After this I looked and there was another like a leopard which had on its back four wings of a bird. The beast also had four heads, and a dominion was given to it. So, the third kingdom we recognize is Greece, represented by a leopard with four wings and four heads. Now, what do the wings represent, did you remember? And what do the four heads represent? The four wings, and it's noteworthy here, 
that instead of two, as the lion had, this had four, which represent incredible speed with which Alexander the Great conquered the region. Look at Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 11 to 13. The four heads represent the four kingdoms into which the empire of Alexander the Great was divided when he died. The four generals who headed these areas were Cassander, Lysimachus, Polytomy, Ptolemy, and Seleucus. This is all historical and can be easily found in any decent world history text. Even the movie about Alexander had this part in it with the four generals. Now we have reached Rome where which has come down to our present day. Now the Roman Empire, the fourth kingdom, is represented by a powerful monster with iron teeth and ten horns. Daniel chapter 7 verse 7. What do these horns represent? You see, Yahweh is so wise and so awesome. He used animals as symbols of powers, earthly powers, so that the people who are being referred to will not even know it is there who is being referred to. But Yahweh's people would know that because he brought the interpretation to his people. The ten horns represents the ten kings or kingdoms into which pagan Rome was eventually split. Daniel chapter 7 verse 24. I would read that for you. Daniel 7 verse 24. It says, The ten horns are ten kings who shall arise from this kingdom, and another shall rise after them. He shall be different from the first ones, and shall subdue three kings. Now let us look at it a little closer. The ten kingdoms, yes, are the ten kings which pagan Rome was eventually split. These ten kingdoms are the same as the ten toes of the image described in Daniel chapter 2, verse 41 to 44. Remember the dream King Nebuchadnezzar had when he made the entire image of gold and only the head was supposed to be gold in the dream? Because he wanted an everlasting kingdom. He wanted his kingdom to always be in power. But that's not how Yahweh operates. Yahweh always directs the affairs of men, even down to who is president of America, or who is prince in this country, or queen in that country, or who is the premier in your country. Yahweh always directs the affairs of men, for he sets up and he takes down. Roving barbarian tribes swept in upon the Roman Empire and carved out land niches for their people. Seven of those ten tribes developed into the countries of modern Western Europe, while three were uprooted and destroyed. Seven of those ten tribes were developed into the countries of modern Western Europe, while three were uprooted and destroyed. I will briefly call the names of those ten kingdoms and the three that were uprooted. The ten kingdoms are the Visigoths, which is Spain, Anglo-Saxons, which is England, the Franks, which is France, Alemanni, Germany, Burgundians, Switzerland, the Lombards are the Italians, Suivi, which is Portugal, Heruli, they were rooted up, Ostrogoths were rooted up, the Vandals were rooted up. We will delve deeper into the prophecy of what happens next. We have laid the foundation of the different eras, the different countries, the succeeding empires of world history down to Rome today. And it will be a very intriguing study. So stay tuned for part two. Let us pray. 
Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word today. Your word has been made plain, Yahweh of hosts, that your word can be trusted. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy came never by the will of man, but holy men of Yahweh spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And Father in heaven, you have said in your word, that this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, then the end shall come. And Yahweh, you made it clear that surely you do nothing unless you reveal your secret to your servants, the prophets. And Father, you have done that, and I am presenting the word that you have given to your servants, the prophets, that men may know and women may know that you are coming soon and where we are in the great prophecies of Scripture. So I thank you once again for your word. May you continue to guide and direct us. Until next time when we continue with this exciting study, keep us in the hollow of your hands, I pray. In your son's name, amen. If this broadcast has been a blessing to you, you can write us at Proclaim Gospel, PO Box 336, Rowtown Tortola, British Virgin Islands. Or you may email us at ProclaimGospelVI at gmail.com. Our telephone number is 1-284-547-4601. If you desire Bible studies or prayer, please contact us. Yahweh bless you.